Welcome to Stops and Starts, a women's hockey podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Glavin. This is episode four. Thanks for taking the time to listen. Um, and please subscribe, rate, and review if you like what you hear. Today, we're going to talk about some college hockey, what happened in the past week. We'll also talk about um, the folks that are going to be part of the ESPN lineup that'll be doing like the play-by-play, um, analyst reporting, etc. for ESPN in the fall. There's lots of uh, women's hockey names in that list. Um, we're going to also talk about what happened with the NWHL in the last week, um, headlined by uh, the draft, which was the biggest thing that happened, but they had some other stuff going on as well. Um, all right, let's get to it. So on the college scene last week, um, the final head coaching vacancy was filled. I don't expect any more for the year. Um, Jen Kindred from RMU was hired at St. Anselm. So she'll be a head coach there. She was part of that RMU staff that lost their jobs when that program was cut last month. So Jen will go to St. Anselm, um, which is a, they play in the Nuha, which is a six-team league out east um, and then not this season, but next season, there'll be a seven team league when Stonehill joins their, their league, um, with the brand new program. Um, when Stonehill starts, that program is going to be coached by Tara Watchhorn. Um, so that she'll be the second woman, um, coach in the league. Um, but for this upcoming season, Jen Kindred, um, will be the, the lone woman coaching in the new ha, which, um, just glad to see to see that there's not going to be a gap in uh, representation of in the league of having a a woman coach. So um, she's inheriting uh, a decent program. They are probably a top two program in that league, Um, you know, second to Long Island University. Um, And so we'll we'll see how Jen does um, in her first year of head coaching at the division one level. She has coached um, division three at the head coach level, um, but at the D1 level, this will be new for her. Um, other news in uh, the college scene, there's lots of programs that are still, you know, filling in their assistant coaching role, filling out their coaching staffs. Um, as somebody who's interested in um, particularly Mercyhurst, Mercyhurst excuse me, and the CHA, um, I will share that we're still waiting to see who Mercyhurst hires to replace Kelly Stedman, um, who was a... Uh, an assistant coach that left Mercyhurst after several years and um, leaves some big shoes to fill, um, both literally and figuratively. Uh, so excited to see who Coach Sisty hires to replace Kelly Stedman to come on board with uh, himself and Beth Hanrahan. Um, hoping that that information comes out soon and that they're close to making a hire as that vacancy probably came up about a month ago. There's other lots of other openings out there, which is pretty typical as well. Um, but that was the one that I'm most interested in. Um, also related to the RMU fallout, um, interestingly, we haven't seen any um, more like confirmed transfers of former RMU players going to other colleges in NCAA, other than those three that are that are going to Ohio State that I mentioned a couple weeks ago. Um, that could be any any number of reasons for that. One is that there might just not be places available for them. Um, but uh, their incoming commits have sort of recommitted elsewhere or are at least trying to recommit elsewhere. And Mercyhurst picked up one of them. Her name is Sydney Peterson. Um, she is from Milestone, Saskatchewan, plays for the Regina Re- Rebels. Um, and she is a right shot defender. So she'll be the she'll be the eighth freshman of that class for next year. 
Um, and then along with the the transfer that I mentioned last week, Christy Pigeon, they, they've got nine newcomers coming to Mercyhurst next year. So um, lots of new faces and excited to see what Sydney Peterson brings. Um, also related to the RMU fallout and fallout and the most most important perhaps is um, most important development is just that the folks affected by that program are not just letting that program go away without a fight. Um, they have started a foundation and um, it is headed by Brianne McLaughlin and the foundation, which is like a coalition of players, men's and women, have um, retained a lawyer named Jeffrey Kessler. He works for Winston and Strawn. He's one of the most um, uh, well-known names at a national level for representing athletes in um, in 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 legal matters. Um, he was involved, uh, he was the plaintiff's attorney in that Alston versus NCAA case. He represented the Stanford women's teams that got cut about a year ago and recently were reinstated. Um, and so, so far he has not um, put forward any lawsuits or anything like that um, against RMU. So far they've just written a letter asking for reinstatement of the programs. Um, they're saying that the athletes' rights were violated, um, and I think that I think that the crux of the argument is that um, the uh, RMU board is presenting it as though cutting the program was like a decision that was made kind of recently, whereas um, people who are paying attention and close to the program are saying that if you look at all the facts. Um, it almost looks like this is something that they were building up to over the past five years um, to cut these programs. And I think the argument is that it's a violation of the athletes' rights to be recruiting them and saying, hey, we have this program. And, um, you know, it's it just sort of presenting it as this thing that, you know, has um, um, every reason to believe that it's going to continue going when actually there's plans it appears that there may have been plans to cut the program for much longer than they are um, letting on at this point. So we'll see what comes of that. There's another lawyer involved. I'm not sure who they are representing, but um, there's a lawyer in Ohio who submitted documents. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know the right words to use here, but um, basically requesting all sorts of information from RMU regarding, um, I don't know, all sorts of events that have transpired over the past few years, like I don't even know if they'll get this stuff like phone records and communications between like different people and stuff like that. So there's numerous um, people pushing back against these programs getting cut. We will see what comes of it. Um, I just really think that there needs to be college hockey in Pittsburgh. Um, just a huge blow to hockey if um, NCAA Division One hockey leaves Pittsburgh. Um, so, so that's kind of what happened at the college scene in the past week. Uh, let's move on to talk about ESPN. So as people know, um, NBC was the rights holder for the NHL, um, hockey games in the United States for the past, I'm not sure how many years. Um, and then that contract expired and the NHL sold the rights to TNT Turner and also ESPN. I think ESPN has the A package, which means like the big, nice, best package. And TNT has the the B package. Um, so it, it's, I think it's exciting. Like I say, I'm a casual NHL fan. Um, but I like, you know, like kind of just having like a low level like eye on it. Um, 
And uh, I think it's really exciting for them to move it over to ESPN. And actually, even before they announced who their lineup is, who's going to be doing like the play-by-play analyst, reporter, etc. The other day, I was even just saying to somebody, well, my husband, I was like, you know, I think I kind of want to subscribe to ESPN Plus. I never thought I would. It's like $6 a month. Um, But lately, I've been clicking on too many articles where I read half the article and then I can't because it's on lockdown or whatever. And then the other thing that's, and, and I'm like, oh, I kind of want to read this. Um, I, I, I like both Greg Wyshynski and um, Emily Kaplan's stuff that they write. Um, and both of them treat women's hockey decently, so it's worth, um, and respectfully. So, I, you know, I, I'm like, oh, I don't mind supporting this. Um, the other thing that ESPN Plus does is they get a ton of, I think, the ECAC games for college. So I think that $6 a month to um, ESPN Plus would also get me a bunch more women's hockey games. Not the conference that I'm necessarily interested in, but um, Mercyhurst and CHA teams in general do play a ton of games against ECAC teams. So I would probably still get to see, you know, a bunch of games that I'm interested in. Um, so so ESPN's getting the rights and... Um, We'll just see what their coverage looks like. Like, does it have a different um, flavor than what NBC did? NBC, NBC was on it. Like, they were fine. Um, I didn't love them, but it was just like, they're fine. I really like Doc Emmerich, um, but obviously he's retired now. Really, really liked him. I just really enjoyed the way that he was so welcoming, enjoyed the passion for the game. Um, and again, he was just somebody who uplifted, it seemed like, everybody that came in his path. So, um you know, if NBC was losing the rights and we were not going to get to see Doc Emmerich anymore, I'd be like, oh, this is unfortunate, but uh, he's retired anyway, so it is what it is. Um, So ESPN announced their lineup yesterday, and they released a really fun little hype video, Um, and I mean, that's the ESPN hype machine, that's that's what they do best, right? But Hillary Knight's going to be an analyst, which is going to be super fun. She's a such a talented individual, not just at hockey, not just her hockey game evolves, but like she's always struck me as a little bit, um, um, like a little bit reserved, right? But um, she has been doing a ton of media the past few years, and like just she's really, really starting to like reveal her personality and share a lot and I think she's going to be awesome obviously she's knows hockey um and loves hockey and is extremely passionate about um for like advancing female representation in the game so Hillary Knight is like awesome best most exciting name to see on the list um obviously Emily Kaplan who's already there um I had to laugh because when in their hype video you know they were like showing like you know, hockey highlights of people when they would announce them or they would like show this person like interviewing somebody. But for Emily and Greg, it was just like typing sounds. Excuse me. So I thought that was kind of funny, but hey, that's what they do. They write. Um, But I'm super pumped, obviously, for uh, more hockey content for Emily and Greg to get to cover. Uh, Leah Hextall is going to be there again. Like she's great. Um, Very rare to hear a woman on the play-by-play call. So this is awesome. Blake Bolden um, is going to be a reporter. Um, her career is so fun to watch, and she uh, shout out Euclid, Ohio. She's an Ohio person, even though she's now um, uh, more like a California gal, it seems. 
Um, but, uh, so Blake Bolden, her career has been super fun to watch post-college because she just keeps saying yes to opportunities and she's crushing every single one. Uh, so I have no doubt she'll be, um, very good here. Um, AJ Malesko and Cassie Campbell are going to be, um, analysts. Um, that's a little interesting. Obviously AJ coming over from NBC, that makes sense. I guess Cassie's done with CBC. Um, and I don't super understand how that works. Like, um, are can like because I don't think ESPN coverage ex- like happens in Canada, whereas obviously Cassie's very Canadian. She's in Calgary, so I just don't know how that works. Like, does ESPN send crews up to Canada and they're covering Canadian games and broadcasting them down here? No idea. But uh, so Cassie's going to be at ESPN nonetheless, and I will learn, I guess, when when it happens, how that's all going to work. Um, I'm excited to see Chris Chelios just because um, I think he's a Hall of Famer. If not, he's got to be on his way. Um, but, uh, he's, uh, obviously played D and, um, I just, uh, am very interested to hear what he has to say, different perspective on things. Um, um, and I'm always one who like, I don't feel like I understand defense at all. So I always want to hear what those folks have to say. Angela Ruggiero is somebody that I would love to see, uh, doing analysis one day, but she's, she's busy running a company right now. So I guess we'll just have to wait for a little bit. Um, and then the last one that I'm super excited about is just Ray Ferraro, uh, husband of Cassie, uh, excuse me, husband of Cami Granado. Um, Ray is one that, so he does commentating for um, TSN right now. And whenever there's international tournaments, inevitably people are griping about like people who are doing like the analysis or anything, just pick it people will be complaining about it, right? Literally anything in life, um, but also applicable to hockey. And inevitably, the argument is, oh my God, what we're getting is so bad. I wish we were up in Canada and we could listen to Ray Ferraro. And so I'm like, I have Ray Ferraro like pretty high expectations because all I hear is how great he is. Um, so, but, but seriously, people say that you learn a lot just listening to him. Um, so that's what I'm very excited for, uh, to see him on that ESPN lineup. And again, he's a supporter of women's hockey, obviously. Um, so I have no doubt that when it is appropriate, he will, um, lift up the women's game, um, in his capacity, um, 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 in his capacity as somebody who has visibility on ESPN. So that is super exciting. And then, you know, there's some other guys, Mark Messier, Kevin Weeks, you know, just some dudes. So uh, those guys, I'm sure they'll, they'll do a great job too. Um, so moving on from that, NWHL. Again, got to shout out the NWHL. Nobody is cranking out content like the NWHL. Um, they, you know, today's going to be a big day. I think that um, the USA Hockey will have the, the spotlight today because it's now the end of June. So it's time for them to announce their um, centralization roster. Uh, so that's probably what we'll talk about next week. But, you know, the last week, um, the headlines belonged to the NWHL, um, and good for them. So the first thing is they, there's always a but with the NWHL, they sold the Buttes and the Whitecaps, um, to private ownership, but they, and that's super cool. That's always been one of their goals. Um, but they did, they sold it. So what they did was, um, they kind of sold it to themselves. So there were some guys who were involved with the women's hockey partners, the WHP group. The WHP group owned the teams in the NWHL that were not privately owned. Um, and two of those investors were 
Andy Skirto, I want to say his name is, and Neil Liebman. They set up a joint venture called NLTT Ventures, and they bought um, the remaining two teams from WHP. Um, I'm sure that there is some like legal mumbo jumbo for, for why this was beneficial. Um, and, 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 and that's fine. Um, and I think that they're also arguing that, or not arguing, but they're just saying like, this gives them greater opportunity to like, you know, beef up the resources that they give to those two, um, teams. And also I think it puts them in a position to more easily sell it when that time is right. So better to get, you know, it sounds like to sell these teams, you know, they wanted to get them out of WHP. So this way, maybe they've already got it into an entity that's ready to sell it when the time comes rather than having to jump through that hoop at a later date. Um, so, so that's exciting. Um, the NWHL now has, uh, all their teams, um, in what they call private ownership and what is private ownership, even though there's not like there's, so there's six teams, but there's not six owners. Um, so basically this Andy Skirto and Neil Liebman own the Buttes and the Whitecaps. So they've got two teams. Um, I think Andy's like a software founder and then Neil Liebman. I'm not sure what, how he like, um, not entirely sure what all he does, but I know that he has an ownership stake in the Texas Rangers or did at one point. Um, so owning professional teams is not new to him. Um, and then the, there's three teams that are owned by the Boyntons. Um, that's the Metropolitan Riveters, the Toronto Six, and then they ha also have a stake in the Boston Pride. And then Miles Arnone also has a stake in the Boston Pride. So that's now the ownership of five teams that I've described. And then lastly, um, the Connecticut Whale are owned by about a 10-person group, and they are led by a fellow named Tobin Kelly. So they're also, and now Tobin Kelly is new to the scene, um, so, 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 um, it is new, new money in, 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 with the Buttes. Um, um, so what the NWHL is, is saying now that they've got all this organized, even though it's not six owners, um, there's a little bit of overlaps. Um, they're saying that their ultimate goal is to get it. So each owner only owns one team, obviously for conflict of interest reasons. Um, they're just not there yet, but they're also pushing. And I think this is messaging to the PWHPA players. They're saying, look, we've now got independent ownership. We're um, they're saying, and who knows, um, they're saying like, you know, these are, these are well-funded teams now, meaning like, um, the people that own them aren't just going to like run out of money and have to disappear. Um, and, um, you know, it, some of these guys have been around since the beginning, so they're now seven years into it and they haven't left yet. So, you know, does, at what point does, does a person have to say, okay, this person, this, uh, ownership group is committed and this is something that I will consider, moving into because this appears sustainable. I don't know. That's a question for the PWHPA people to answer. But nonetheless, the NWHL, I think, was proud this week to announce that they have private ownership and that they, um, you know, have like solid funding and, you know, made that appeal to um, anyone who was listening. Um, so that's at the league level. At the team level, it was the six who were in the news again. Um, the six, you know, my goal with this podcast is not to cover everything that happens because that's just not possible, just mostly the stuff that I'm interested in. Um, and, and the six is a team that appeals to me. I don't know if they're my team, you know, like you kind of have to just let your heart go where it wants to go. I had considered cheering for the Buffalo Buttes for a while and I, eh, just because they're the closest one that I live to. Um, but when the six came about, I was like, well, it's, you know, Canadian, maybe I'll cheer for them. So, so you know, the other team I like is, is the Whitecaps, but, um, they, I, they just, that's an awesome brand. They've been around forever, but right now it's the six that kind of, I think, uh, 
is 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 gaining my fandom. So we'll see um, if more Canadian teams popped up. If a Pittsburgh or a Columbus team popped up, I don't know. The Six might have uh, their work cut out. But right now, I'm really enjoying um, kind of rooting for those guys. Um, and I just I think that you know Canada, it would be uh, I think a it would be great to have a story where, where Canada had a pro team for women that is like just very well supported. Um, you know, um, I, I would just like to see that. So what were the six up to last week? Well, the Toronto six named somebody named Angela James as their assistant coach. Of course, Angela James needs no introduction, but we'll do it anyways. She is a Hockey Hall of Famer, former Team Canada player, um, four-time world champion. Um, She won in 1990, 1992, 1994, and 1997 um, as a world champion. In 1990 and 1992, she was named to the All-Star teams at those tournaments. And in 1994, she was named the best forward in the gold medal game. Uh, She was controversially cut from the 1998 Olympics, but that is not the event that defines her career. She, in 1999, stuck with it. She made it back onto Team Canada, and her final tournament was helping Canada to a gold medal in the Three Nations Tournament um, that was hosted in Canada. Um, I'm trying to confirm this. I've heard, I heard this on a podcast because I was poking around, but I heard that the gold medal game in that 1999 Three Nations tournament came down to a shootout, um, which included Angela James, of course, and she scored in the shootout, helping Canada win gold in that tournament. And that was her final tournament. Um, there's a book that I kind of referred to to read up on her a little bit before um, doing this podcast. It's called Too Many Men on the Ice. And there's the book was written before the 1998 Olympics, and there's kind of an interesting uh, comment at the end where they're they're doing a profile of Angela James, and they're they're asking her, "Hey, what do you think the professional hockey scene for women, etc.?" And she said, "Well, you know, um, right now my goal is to make the Olympic team and represent Canada. My focus is not on professional women's hockey." I'm paraphrasing, of course. History unfolded. We know she didn't end up representing Canada in the Olympics, but in the end, here she is making a mark, making a difference in professional women's hockey um, over 20 years later. One of the things that I found very touching um, was the comment from Angela James just a week ago where she, she talked, and again, I'm paraphrasing here, but she used the word honored to describe how she felt about being involved with the progression of women's hockey at the professional level. So I wish Angela James the absolute best of luck um, in her coaching with uh, the um, Toronto Six. I think that that program is lucky to have her. And um, however it goes, because you really, you know, you don't know. And, and the, it's it's an interesting league. Like, um, I don't know that these are full-time jobs. And I suspect Angela James still works at Seneca College full-time. And also she has children. Um, um so the only the guy just hope you know I hope it goes great I hope she's around for years to come um but you know I just I feel a little bit antsy only because when um Shannon Miller went and coached in Calgary after uh, I was a few years ago I think it was the last year of the CWHL I don't know what the story was but it didn't work out and she just disappeared at Christmas time so I just hope that like 
I just hope that this goes well and that like everything is handled super professionally and um and Angela James is sort of treated with like the respect that she totally has earned in the women's hockey world. Um, also last week in NWHL um, Toronto Six, they hired Christy Clark as a GM. Super interesting. Um, Christy is not from a hockey background. Um, she's also the manager of the York United FC in the Canadian Premier League. She's been there for almost four years. So I think the idea is that she's going to do like six months in one job, six months in the other. Um, and at first when I heard that she works like for this Canadian Premier League, I'm like, what is that? I just assumed it was a women's league. And I was like, oh my gosh, how do I, have I never heard of this women's soccer league in Canada? You know? And then of course I found out it's actually a men's league. So I'm like, okay, well that's why I've never heard of it. Um, but it's interesting because like um, their salary cap is like double what the NWHLs is. Um, and they've been operating in Canada, I think, at least one season longer than Toronto Six has been there. Um, even though Christy's been in this role for four years, I, I, she must have been doing like some legwork ahead of time or something like that. Um, so that league just like I just feel like it's kind of it's, it sounds like like they have bigger salary caps. Um so obviously like maybe a little bit better funding, but it's just like a similar space as the Toronto six. So I think that she will be able, so it's a similar space, but a little bit further ahead, probably just because they have better funding because it's dudes. Um, um, but I, I'm just hoping that she will have like a vi like, because she works in that league, she'll be able to see like what things should be looking like just a little bit down the road, you know, like uh, the minimum salary in that league. I just Googled it. It was like 22 to 26 K per year plus housing. Um, so she'll have, and she'll, she'll have a sense of like what sponsorships are like over there and like, who are the interested, um, sponsors in the space. And, you know, I just think she'll be able to take a lot of, um, relevant skills from one job to the other. Um, it is interesting. I'm like, can somebody really be a manager of operations of one team and a GM of another? And again, I think, and I don't know the answer to that. Um, obviously Digit Murphy, um, president of the six thinks yes. Um, but I guess it just reveals a little bit that these jobs, um, they don't sound like full-time jobs, um, within the NWHL. Um, and I mean, that makes some sense, I guess, but it was just something I've never really had a handle on. Are these full-time jobs? Are they part-time? We know what's the story there. So, um, with Christy not having a, a hockey background, uh, one of the things that I think is interesting about this crowd is, um, so Mark Jocelyn, their head coach, is new to women's hockey, and um, Christy doesn't have a hockey background. Um, and then Angela James, obviously, has the hockey covered, but, um, you know, it'll just be interesting when they identify drafts, uh, draft picks and um, draft pick targets in future years. Um, just sort of, you know, how do you do that when your GM is not a hockey person? Um, but obviously, you know, Christine will just, she, that might not be her thing or, or maybe they'll have her, you know, maybe they'll have her pick it up at a, at a later time. Or maybe they're like, it's as simple as like, you know, look, this is the website that has all the college hockey stats and, and, and find the people that live in Ontario that are originally from Ontario and have high stats. Like maybe, like maybe their scouting is that, uh, rudimentary. I don't really know. So, um, you know, obviously Digit Murphy knows, um, uh, college hockey in the States inside out. And then with Angela James, I suspect that she knows, um, U sports pretty well. So, you know, they're covered. It's just a little bit unorthodox. I think it's, I'm not used to seeing the GM not be a, a, a hockey person. Um, so 
and to my to my knowledge she's christy clark is not like a hockey person um but anyway so moving on so that was the news out of the 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 six the other thing that they did they had a high profile signing with um uh soroya tinker um who uh previously played at the metropolitan riveters and again she's a toronto gal so uh you know we'll see what she brings to the six um but lots of exciting stuff happening there um just really interested to see um how it plays out on the ice for them and then also what with them having an actual um arena that they get to play in and have fans just how it plays out in terms of like garnering sponsorships and like fans in the stands and stuff like that support of the community moving on let's talk about the nwhl draft so the nwhl draft was fun um it was last night it was on twitch it was about an hour long um I watched it on my computer, and um, it was, uh, you know, they just, they did a good job. Um, it was hosted by Katie Goss and Erica Ayala, um, and then, so those two were like, you know, each one of them were at home, so half and half on your screen, and then they would be like, okay, now we're going to do, they would chit-chat, and then they would be like, okay, now we're going to, you know, do the first round of uh, draft picks, and then what they would have is like a high-profile person with a pre-recorded video would announce the draft pick and then that video would go away and then they would have that first round draft pick person um join them for a quick q a so it was it was it was cool um and they did that for the first round um and then for rounds two through five they just um they didn't do the interviews uh they just had the high like the person um whoever got to announce the pick would do it with a little video and then they would move on to the next one. And I liked it because I don't need Q and a videos with all 30 that get drafted. Um, and I liked the pace of it, excuse me. And I liked, um, how they would say we select from, and then they would say whatever school, and then they would, you know, whatever school the person was from, excuse me. Um, I do wish that they had mentioned like the hometown a little bit more often. Um, but, uh, but that's fine. Um, and they had all kinds of different people. They had um, Jeff Merrick from um, Sportsnet um, announce the second pick overall. Uh, P.K. Subban announced a pick. Um, he actually announced the one that I was most excited about. Um, tenth overall was Rachel Marmon from Mercyhurst. Um, she lives in Oakville, Ontario, and she got drafted to the Toronto Six. So that was so cool to, to see, like, oh, it's P.K. And then, oh, my gosh, he... Um, you know, is announcing the draft pick of a Mercyhurst person and she's going to Toronto. So that was super cool. Um, I also loved seeing Lindsay Fry up there, Katie Million from USA Hockey. That was like so heartening. Um, it just felt like, oh, look, like all the corners of women's hockey are actually being represented here and being part of this. You know, it was so nice to see. Um, cause you know, like USA ho Hockey, like you know, just, you know, drama, drama. There's, it's every, I mean, it's, it's not a women's thing. It's everywhere. But for, for a while there, like USA Hockey was not acknowledging the NWHL, which is just like, what? That doesn't make sense. NHL teams weren't, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Katie King announced a pick, which was super cool. Um, again, as a college fan, you know, as, as much as I see college get tied in with the pro stuff, like I love it. Um, and then Angela James, of course, announced a pick. So that was really cool. Um, and there was a bunch of other ones. The, oh, the, the little kids at the end, they, the very last round, this was actually probably the coolest round of all. They had the picks announced by super fans, um, 
or super supporters. And um, for two of the teams, they chose little little kids. So they had a little girl and a, a little girl did a pick for Toronto and a little boy did a pick for the Metropolitan Riveters. Uh, so that was like really cool. They just, uh, the NWHL did a nice job with that. They had like a couple, um, you know, there was a couple glitches with the the um the broadcast but like no big deal um the the hosts worked through it and um it was fine they did a good job um and I guess for people who are like like there was a couple soccer things like I saw some some people like I guess there was like some people on Twitter were like oh you know something with like Alyssa like Hugh I'm I mean, I don't even know her name. I'm not saying this right. But, like, if you're actually a soccer person, you might have, like, caught, like, a couple of things where you're like, mm, that's not quite right, like, in terms of the presentation um, that happened with the, the NWHL um, presentation. But this is stuff that happens all the time um, in any arena. Um, so I thought overall it was just an awesome draft. Um, biggest thing that I liked, like I say, it was an hour. It went quick. They had, it was fun being like, oh, who's going to announce the picks? Um, and I liked the togetherness. I liked that like USA Hockey, NHL was represented. I liked that the draft picks included U sports people from like West Coast to, um, well, all the way over to um, Concordia, I guess is in Montreal. Um, the, 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 the picks themselves included people from like Vancouver, BC. Megan Barris is from Vancouver, BC. And then uh, there was someone from Nova Scotia that I saw that got uh, drafted um, might have been Annie McDonald. Um, I think she might be from Nova Scotia. Um, also drafted to the the Toronto Six. Um, so it was just like really cool representation all over the place. Um, there was a lady who was drafted who is actually originally from England. So like just lots of cool. It was just a good night. Um, also super cool if you happen to be a Columbus Blue Jackets fan, which I sort of am. Um, the Blue Jackets have been very, like, they're not, like, the most visible supporters of women's hockey. However, maybe that's starting to change, um, and they're not, like, anti-women's hockey. They're just not visible supporters. But last night, um, or yesterday on their Twitter account, they were like, oh, hey, we're going to stream this this thing on Twitch, at the NWHL draft. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is cool. Um, and then when you actually watched the draft, um, the Columbus Blue Jackets, whoever runs their, like, Twitch account was like chatting in the chat box um, of the NWHL draft. So it was like just nice to have them there, you know, um, you know, nice to like see them acknowledge that, um, you know, like pro hockey is a thing. Women's hockey is a thing. And they're going to like draw some attention to it as well. They're going to sort of join the group of the growing group of people that like participate in it and growing group of NHL um, adjacent people or literally NHL people um, that uh, are involved in in women's hockey, in, in just being a part of it. Um, you know, and I, I briefly thought, geez, you know, I would love to see the Columbus Blue Jackets host an NWHL All-Star game. I think that would be so fun, and I really hope that they do it um, sooner rather than later. But I think that the All-Star game for this season... I would absolutely positively love if it was in Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh has hosted it before. I'm trying to remember. I think they did it in the practice rink of the Pittsburgh Penguins, so it would have been smaller. I hope I'm not mixing this up with like a, um, what's it called? Like a um, exhibition game or like a neutral site game because they do that too in Pittsburgh for the NWHL. Um, but I think in light of RMU cutting their programs, hopefully not permanently, but, you know, um, 
um, I think in light of that cut, I would just love if the NWHL had their all-star game in Pittsburgh at PNC Arena and like just loaded that place up, um, um, you know, by, by women's hockey standards. Um, and uh, just, I don't know, just I just feel like Pittsburgh women's hockey needs that right now. So that's what I'm rooting for. So Columbus Blue Jackets, I want you guys to host an NWHL All-Star game, just not this year. Okay, you got next. Um, it was a, a big night in the draft for CHA players. Um, first overall was Taylor Gerrard. Taylor Gerrard uh, finished her college career at... Quinnipiac, which of course is not in the CHA, uh, but Taylor Gerard was a um, transfer from Lindenwood. She started her career at Lindenwood, which of course is a CHA program. Other CHA players that were drafted were um, Emily Harley. She went second overall um, from RMU. Um, she went to Buffalo. Angelica Diffendahl from RMU went to Buffalo. Leah Marino uh, from RMU went to Toronto. Um, she's from California, more West Coast representation. Uh, Rachel Marmon from Mercyhurst went to Toronto. Jenna Brenneman became the very first Penn State hockey player to get drafted in the NWHL. She went to Minnesota. And Emma Pulaski of Syracuse went to Connecticut. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six um, CHA players plus a CHA transfer out um, that got drafted yesterday. Um, another significant um, draft that I wanted to mention, draft pick, was Morgan Schauer. I'm saying that right. She used to play at Robert Morris. She transferred to Long Island University. Um, her getting drafted is relevant, um, A, because she's from Cleveland. Obviously, I'm rooting for the Cleveland gals. Um, but her, again, she was the first one from Long Island University to ever get drafted to the NWHL. So congrats to Morgan as well. Um, so pretty exciting. As for other teams in their drafts, I, I mean, I didn't pay as much attention. The, I think the way the NWHL draft works is, you know, you draft these players and then you have their rights for, for two, you have their exclusive rights to sign them for two weeks. Um, and then I think other teams can also sign them after that point. And then the other thing is that they only do one year contracts. So, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta treat these players right and give them a good reason to come back next year. Um, really the only, uh, so, you know, we'll just, we'll just wait and see. Um, uh, we'll just wait and see, um, what, how the draft evolves and, and how many of these players actually get signed. There was one weird little thing that happened. Um, Toronto drafted Tatum Skaggs of Ohio State, um, but earlier in the day it had been announced that Tatum Skaggs was signed in Europe, um, and she confirmed that yesterday, actually, after the draft as well. So, you know, on the one hand, you're like, oh, that was Toronto's second, that was their second draft pick, you know, you know, you know, was it wasted? But then I'm also just like, well, they only have the exclusive rights for two weeks anyways. So, uh, you know, how much of this draft is form versus substance, you know, very, very important to acknowledge the players have the event, um, ultimately be moving towards something um, in the future. Um, but is it that big of a deal that Tatum Skaggs, you know, they, you know, you know, they drafted this lady who's ultimately not going to be available. Um, probably not. Uh, last thing that I, I guess I wanted to mention on the Toronto, um, recruits and again, Hey, maybe other teams 
went this local as well, probably. Like, I know that uh, Boston didn't have a ton of picks, but they often go go local. Um, with Toronto, I just wanted to mention three of their... They had eight picks. Three of their picks are Toronto area ladies. Um, I thought that Angela James announcing the pick for Taylor Davidson from Oakville, Ontario, from York University was super cool. Um, that's about as Toronto area as you can get, as hometown as you can get. Um, and so to have another Torontonian, a Hall of Famer, Angela James, dra- uh, announce that draft pick was super cool. Um, the other local ones um, that they drafted, as I mentioned, were Rachel Marmon and also Olivia at excuse me, Olivia Atkinson. Olivia Atkinson, that was also a cool one. Um, she went to Concordia, which is in Montreal. So her coaches were Julie Chu and Caroline Wallet. And those two announced the draft, um, the draft pick. So, so that was cool. And they congratulated her and everything. So again, just I, pulling people from all corners of women's hockey into this draft to be a part of it. The chat was going. Uh, it was all in all just a great event. And well done, NWHL. Uh, time to sign off, round up my children, get them fed, lunches, dress and out the door, uh, and then uh, do a little bit of work and, of course, anticipate that USA Hockey Centralization roster dropping so we can chat about it next week. Thanks for listening. Uh, see you next week.